Hi everybody, thanks for tuning in to episode 4 of Husky Talk. I'm your host, Kane McDaniel. And I'm his partner, Ethan Schultz. Today we are here with our live guest, who is an Iditarod veteran, who has completed the great race five times. Welcome to our show, Charlie Benya. Thank you for having me today. It's an honor to be here live at the school. Our first segment of the show is titled, Who Inspires You? During this segment, we would like you to tell us a little bit about who inspired you to get involved in the Iditarod. Um, very good question. Um, I would have to say Bruce Linton inspired me. Um, he's also a type 1 diabetic, and he has run Iditarod um, several times also, and I kind of looked up to him um, since I'm type 1 diabetic also. It really got me thinking that just because you have um, diabetes doesn't mean that you're, you know, your life is over. So it, he inspired me, and also um, another musher, G.B. Jones, did. Um, he let me come out to his uh, place um, for the first time, and I ran dogs, and pretty much um, I got the bug. So that's kind of how I got started. All right. Thanks for sharing. We are going to move on to our Q&A segment. When was the first moment you re- you realized you wanted to sled dog race? I would say the first time was when I um, came up for the first time in 2005 to watch it in person. And it's just an amazing experience to see all these dogs jumping, barking, and just all ready to race. And I'm, I've always been a dog lover and followed it since I was... Um, young um not so much on the internet but in the newspapers and stuff like that so and then once i um first time i got on the sled um it's just amazing experience and that's kind of what really got me involved in it what brought you to alaska um me and my dad first went there in 1991 um, on vacation and we toured a lot of the state and so sometimes i kind of joke with him I'm like well dad you kind of started all this back then so we went to a couple of sled dog kennels back in 91 and uh kind of really got involved in it since then what times are you in Alaska and what times are you back home in Addison Illinois I usually leave to go to Alaska to start training dogs in mid-October and then I'm up there all winter until usually beginning of April or um mid-April is usually when I'm up there and basically all I do up there is just work with dogs pretty much every day so it's training young ones, training our experienced ones, and getting them better, um, just better trained on for the trail and, and races, and also do some mid-distance races, two and three hundred miles, to get the dogs trained up. How do you go from being an I did a rider to being an I did a ride veteran? Um, good question. Um, I was I Bruce's I did a rider in, I believe it was two thousand six. I, I was, and. Being in the sled, it was just, again, another amazing experience and just falling in love with the sport and all the great people that um, Iditarod has around them, all the volunteers and everything. So then once you get on the runners and then you just feel like like you want to be a part of it because just for your love of dogs and everything. What is your favorite part about the Iditarod? Favorite part, I would say, is being out there with your 16 best friends, um, being out there just in the wilderness um, Alaska has so much scenery um, to take in, and, and I think I did a rod is, is one of the ones where you can see a lot of it and visit all the villages. Um, a lot of great volunteers that take up their time for a couple of weeks to be out there on the trail and helping out, whether it's with straw, food drop bags, um, drop dogs, and checking you in. And um, 
I just I like being out there in the wilderness uh, alone and and things like that. There's you can see the northern lights out there, which is always a, a really amazing thing to see when you're out there with your dogs. Um, I'm not that much of a huge fan of like the extreme cold winter or anything like that, but if it's 20, 30 below, that's I, I feel comfortable with it. The dogs, you know, always run better um, when it is is colder out. Where is your favorite stop on the trail? Um, I have several stops. I would say Takana is they have they make you a steak dinner if you decide to do your twenty four hour there, which is which is always amazing. I I haven't did my twenty four there yet, but I plan to this coming year. So they have great pies. They have tons of food there for you. Um, Unicleats also another one. They have lots of bacon there for you and pancakes. Um, pretty much anything you want to eat there. Um, and uniquely, they'll, they'll make there for you. I would say another one is is probably Nome because you're out there nine, ten days with your dogs, and when you finally get to that finish line, it's just it's just a big sigh of relief um, crossing underneath the arch, and you're like, okay, I'm finally finally made it here, and you know all the dogs you know worked out well, and and you know I uh, I made the feet with them also. So it's it's I'd say probably those are my my three f- favorite ones. Do you have a favorite Iditarod memory? I would say the start of of my first Iditarod was was a very uh, special moment for me because it took a long time of training and obviously um, a lot of money to get to that to get to the finish line. And then I would say also the other favorite memories finishing is is also one. I've I've only finished three. But each one is my favorite for a certain reason, either different lead dogs, um, maybe a better sled, taking care of myself um, a lot better than I than I have in the past. And I would say um, seeing your younger dogs develop. I mean, when you have like a yearling and you work so hard with them and then now they're like two or three years old and seeing them excel every year is just, it's really amazing what they can do. And it all goes back to like, you know, your training and stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, um, like you guys being in school, you know, you start out in kindergarten and then you grow as every grade you go, you know, you get older and you learn and you excel. And I think that's really, it's just a really amazing thing for, for human and dogs. How does diabetes affect you on the trail? Um, it affects me a lot different than like other people because I have to make sure that my blood sugar is always at the right levels, which is hard for me because you're not getting sleep. Um, I do eat a lot of junk food out there, which is not the best, but I need that to keep my my sugars up. Um, Another difficult thing I would say is trying to test my blood sugar when it's 50 below out. um, Your meter doesn't work and there's really nothing you can do. So a lot of it is is basically having knowledge and how I feel. Um, I can tell if, if my sugars are or under 60, or if they're over 200, or I'd say probably 170, I could tell. So it affects me a lot different because it, it, I have to maybe stop a little bit more often at checkpoints. I have to take care of myself a little bit. So where other mushers, you know, that's that's one thing they don't have to worry about. And um, for me, it's it. I'm not as competitive as they are because if I can't take care of myself, if I'm not healthy, then who's going to take care of my 16 dogs? So I in this situation, I know everybody says it's you have to take care of your dogs first before you take care of yourself. I'm a little bit the opposite because without me healthy, I can't take care of my dog. So I make sure that I'm taking care of myself so my dogs can get fed and taken care of. 
What advice would you give to kids who also have diabetes? I would say your main, my main advice would be is take care of yourself. Um, stay positive. Um, everybody in life has ups and downs, but um, set a goal for yourself. Work with that goal and reach that goal. So I usually set goals every year for myself. And just as long as you work hard on reaching that goal, and just taking care of yourself. So your health is obviously the most important for, for everybody. And without your health, you can't really excel or achieve things you want to do. What What is your goal this year for the Iditarod? Um, be a little bit more competitive. Um, the last several years, it's now I kind of know what I need to do with my diabetes as far as you know, how to deal with it in, in extreme cold weather. So my dogs are now, most of them been the known before. I have a couple that haven't been that... I'm going to work with them this this winter and see um, if they can keep up with the other ones. But I definitely want to be a little bit more competitive. So I think I think we got a, a very good, strong team. Um, they're a great group of dogs to work with. They're a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm hoping to be a little bit more competitive. Our final segment of the show is what we like to call Musher Ru- Mount Rushmore. I assume you know about Mount Rushmore. Um, yes, I do. I've been there a few times. If you were asked to change the faces on Mount Rushmore to re- represent the Iditarod, who or what would be on it? You can pick mushers, dogs, volunteers, whatever you want. I would say probably the first one would be um, one of my dogs. Which one? It's so hard. I wish I could have all of them up there. But I would say probably one of them would be um, a female uh, named Brown. Um, she's done everything for me. Um, she's really small. She's probably like maybe 35, 40 pounds. And she does everything and anything I ever ask her to. So whether it's a, a stream of water we're crossing over, um, going into headwinds that are 50 miles an hour, she always is there and she keeps pretty much everybody else in line. She's a little bit picky on who she runs next to or who's behind her. But um, she's really the the core of my team as far as leaders. Um, another musher would probably maybe um, one of the Reddingtons. Um just because they have, you know, they started Iditarod, and I think it's just a very important name that goes goes with Iditarod. And then probably, I would say, probably one of the villages, um, maybe some people from the village, I think, because the villages really open up their arms and let us use their checkpoints for that couple weeks out of the year, I would say. And, and they really, it's I think it's really awesome that they can, you know, invite all these mushers and volunteers and everybody into their town and uh, welcome us. Now we're going to let the audience ask a few questions. What do you use for defense on the trail? Um, I don't pack a firearm with me whatsoever. We can. Um, I just feel it's one more thing that I have to worry about while I'm out on the trail. And not that I don't feel comfortable with it, but it's just another thing I have to worry about as far as like maybe you dropping it or, or somebody younger getting a hold of it. So I, I really don't use anything for defense. I mean, We do carry an axe with us, which is... Um, obviously mandatory equipment for us. So I guess that would be defense if I needed it for something um, or your fists, I guess, if you, you needed them for something. What types of animals have you seen on the trail? Um, good question. We've seen um, moose, some Arctic fox, um, see some rabbits here and there. Um, never really saw a wolf in person, but usually at nighttime when we're going on the trail, um, Several dogs will start looking, and whether it's in front of you or next to you or whatnot, and you have your headlamp on and you just shine it, and you'll see like all these little eyes everywhere. So you know it's probably like a pack of wolves, I would say. So 
Um, that's always cool to see is wildlife on the trail. This year was not very much at all. Um, a couple of fox coming into um, White Mountain, which was, was kind of neat because they were kind of jumping around the snow and looking for food. And I was more focused on them than where we were, where we were going down the trail. So it's kind of neat to see that wildlife out there. Um, do your dogs get distracted by other animals on the trail or anything? Um, I have a couple that do. Um, Canyon is one of them, and I would say probably Willow. They want to run right towards that animal. So um, I'm glad that we're all harnessed and in line and everything because the rest of the team keeps them going. But, yeah, there's some, some dogs because it's something that they want to go chase or whatnot. It's something fun. So uh, I always get a kick and kind of laugh at it because uh, they get all excited. But we continued on the trail. How many times do you usually stop on the race? Uh, I usually run like usually every two or three hours I try to stop and just give the dogs like a light snack. Um, and then I'm kind of a fan of checkpoints, so I stop usually at every checkpoint um, basically because I want to check my blood sugar and it's just a sense of comfort. If I did need something, there's people there to help me. Um, and then you have to do like a 24-hour mandatory layover um, two eight hours so i i tend to stop a lot more than than other mushers um your your front front of the pack though they're, they're not going to stop as much because they're a lot more competitive and things like that do you have any sponsors um yes we do we we don't have um a lot a lot of big ones but we have uh a lot of individual sponsorships you know that help and my brother's um is a huge part of it of helping me out so and um I'm kind of always a little bit shy on asking for sponsorship. It's just, I rather, to me, it's it's a bigger payoff for me to work a lot during the summertime. And it just, it gives me a little bit of a goal to work harder because um, I know I got to feed all the dogs and everything. So, What's one of the hardest things you've encountered while on the trail? I would say on, on the coast, when you're, you're going along the coast and you, you run into these um, ground blizzards and windstorms, I'm not really a big fan of wind and it was just absolutely tremendous amount of wind. I remember a couple of years ago leaving Unicleet and then getting to Chatulik was, it took us forever to get there. Um, the wind had to be 50, 60 miles an hour. Um, the dogs just, they kind of wanted to stop um, going along the trail. And you kind of walked in front of them for a couple miles and stuff like that just to kind of keep them motivated. But the the wind is always the toughest for me. And leaving Chatula going to Koyak is always another hard part for me because you never know what that weather is going to be. And once you run into those windstorms, sometimes the dogs like to sour out a little bit because you got all this wind and we're, you know, over 700 miles into the race and stuff. So they 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 struggled sometimes going through there, but we managed to get through it. Um, thank you, audience, for those questions. Um, and Charlie, thank you for much for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Special thanks to Charlie Benya for be- joining us on our sh- episode four of Husky Talk. Tune in next week for our featured guest, Maureen Chrysler. Special credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the I Did a Red Trail song. <laughs>